Good morning, everybody. <coughs> yes, my kids were all excited this morning about Sunday school. I mean, to watch a movie, I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. My boys have been wanting to see that uh, Unbroken for quite a while, so they were all excited. Uh, I, I'm kind of, I don't want to wish their childhood away, but I can't wait till they're old enough that I can like watch movies like Saving Private Ryan with them and stuff like that. I love stuff like that, but uh, they're probably a bit young for all the all the intensity and the gore and the angst. So, anyway, so I'm glad you're here this morning. I'm glad I'm here this morning. I was listening to all these songs about Calvary this morning, and I was just thinking, man, what a blessing. You know, it's like, where would we be without that? Because we get so hung up on... You know, this, that, and the other thing, and that I, you know, cross all my T's, dot all my lowercase J's that we forget about. Uh, you know, we forget that it all comes back to the blood. We forget it all comes back to Calvary. Jesus, we thank you for your word to us today. And we uh, just pray that you would uh, break up the fallow ground of our hearts and plant in us your word. Cause it to, to grow, take root. God, and to prosper in us, God. You said that your word wouldn't return to you void, but it would accomplish the thing that you sent it to do. And God, you also said that one in four, uh, the the seed wouldn't prosper as well. And God, we pray that we would be that uh, that twenty five percent, God, that good ground, Lord, where your your word could prosper. There's no reason any of us couldn't be that. And we pray, Jesus, that you would do those things in us that we would receive from you exactly what you have for us today. And that's why we've come here. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. We were reading with the kids last night. and um, their, uh, One of their sets of grandparents got them the uh, little action Bible. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's like a comic book graphic novel type thing of the Bible. And most of it's pretty good. The guy seems to think that maybe God has a bit of a snarky you're going to do what I say kind of attitude, but uh, uh, other than that, and, and some, of, some of his artwork leaves somewhat to be desired. You can tell he kind of came from this comic book background, but um, no, it was really great, and uh, we had just read the story about how um, um, how Pilate was trying to get around having to sentence Jesus to, to be crucified, and and you know, you get to the the end of that one, and the next page, there's this picture of of uh, Jesus carrying the cross down the street, and uh, the crowds, and the soldiers, and everything. And Zoe was sitting there on the floor next to the book, and she was like, "Why is he doing that?" And so I explained that that's that's what he did. He he carried the the cross down to where they were gonna crucify him, and and they nailed him to it. And, like and this was and she's like why? I'm like well this is something that they did with criminals, you know. And so they were they were treating Jesus like he was a bad guy. And she's like but he's the good guy. Why did they do that? Yeah. I was like I know, I know. Well I was like well here's why. It's because God knew all along. He planned all along that somebody would have to die to pay for our sins. And and she's like God did. I'm like yeah he did. He paid for it himself. And, um, and and in fact, um, I mean, he did it 
for everybody, but he did it for you. And uh, it's like he didn't just do it for me and mom and, and everybody at church. He did it for you. And she's like, and Jeremy, and Levi, and you. And I was like, yes, yes, all of us, exactly. It's like, yeah. he, you know, he did it for everybody, but he did it for you because he loves you that much. It's always interesting kind of trying to watch a five-year-old compute that, you know. So that was really precious. But we were listening to these songs this morning, and I was just thinking, man, it's a good thing he did. You know, whether you've had a, a great week or not so great week, it's like, oh, thank God for Calvary. Because uh, all the other good week, bad week is all immaterial. So, you know, it's nice to have the Cantor Trio with us this morning. So you can tell they're, they're, they're go-getters here at church on Sunday morning. Tell you what. No, I, I remember having babies, and it was like, I'm ready to get out of the house now. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, we've got pictures of Cynthia all all dolled up and had these nice tight blue jeans on with the little tiny baby in the thing. She was ready to leave the hospital. All the nurses were like, whoa. That's right. She's like, man, i got laundry to do. I can't stay here forever. <laughs> girl no no um no so that's a blessing but anyway uh so i had a couple of things here that uh, i thought was interesting this uh talking with my kids about the new man and the old man and the difference between them and it uh, i kind of found myself talking to them about it out of a place that i wouldn't have expected or that off the top of your head doesn't really seem like it was talking about that. In Psalm 141, and we'll start in verse 1. You know, every Saturday morning, uh, I'm, I'm like training my children like Pavlov's dog. I say, here we are, Saturday morning, and everybody's like, the bucolic splendor of Ottawa, Kansas, 519 South Locust, 66067. I was like, and mom's phone number is? And they all recite it. It's like, and my phone number is? And they all recite it. So I'm teaching them one little contact item at a time. I was like, and my, my email address is? And which they all thought was quite amusing. And uh, so once they get that one memorized, then we'll work on the next one. But anyway, every Saturday morning, is, there's always the... Because, <sighs> you know, it's Saturday morning, right? I mean, when we were kids, they had cartoons on Saturday morning. Not so much anymore, but um, it's like it's Saturday. They want to goof around and have fun, which I'm down with that. But, uh, um, you know, <clears throat> almost every week I explain to them the importance of uh, uh, teaching them the Word of God and how it's my job to teach them the Word of God. And they will be glad the older they get. And And I always draw that comparison for them of think about... You know, this kid and that kid at school that you talked about that has all this trouble. Like, they probably wouldn't have all this trouble if they had this in their home. And uh, <clears throat> so they always get it, but it's still, it's like, <sighs> like, but my Legos are upstairs in my room. <laughs> it's like, it's a beautiful day outside, and and there's things to do. And um, But I was talking to them about that 
It's like, well, you know, the thing is, is um, when Jesus lives in your heart, you have two people. You have your inside man, you have your outside man. And uh, and your outside man is probably always going to be like, oh. Like, sometimes my outside man is like, oh. Uh, but the thing is, is your inside man eats this stuff up. And and you feed it. Like, um, you know, and as your as your inside man gets bigger, you start bossing the uh, the outside man around. And... Uh, Life works well when you do that. <clears throat> so we were talking in, in uh, Psalm 141. He says, Lord, I cry unto thee. Make haste to help me. Give ear to my voice when I cry unto thee. Which that's, uh, that's a great start. If you've ever been in a place where you were hoping he would hurry up. You know, I love that song that Heidi sings where it says he's never been early, but he won't show up late. Because there's times that I... I kind of felt like uh, Martha. It's like, you know, if you would have showed up yesterday, things would have been a lot smoother. <laughs> He's like, yes, well, I show up precisely when I mean to. So he says, let my prayer uh, be set forth before thee as incense, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. And, you know, we have so much going on in our lives. You know, back when they didn't have, you know, electricity, Back when it wasn't such an easy thing to do, people didn't work at night. You know, back before they had laptops, people didn't, uh, you know, sit at the coffee shop and work on stuff all hours of the day, and then take it home, and then it's like, oh, I got a few minutes, I could work on that thing some more. And um, you know, I was telling my children, I was like, you know, back before they had TV, it was like TV's only been around like 70, 75 years or so. It's like back before that. People actually talked to each other. Like families sat around and they did things together. And they read books, which we do sometimes. Uh, we all sat down and read uh, this book, Frendel, this week, which was quite awesome. I enjoyed it immensely. But uh, um, I was like, you know, there were, there's lots of things that people used to do before they all stood around staring at the idiot box. You know? Although nowadays it's not an idiot box so much as an idiot flat thing. You know, I don't I don't know what you'd call it. But um I was like, you know, when when Eliezer came back from uh uh with Rebecca, when he brought Rebecca back for Isaac, uh said that he was out in the field meditating in the evening. So he was he had this this meeting with God in in the evening. You know, the, the the stuff of the day was, was wrapped up and, and he was spending this time with God. And uh um and I think it's funny that he calls it a sacrifice because uh well for one thing, um nowadays it does feel like a sacrifice to take away what you know, limited free time you sometimes have in the evenings and um you know, because, like, I, I enjoy getting away to pray, but it's like, man, it's like, but I haven't seen my kids all day, and, you know, it's like, you come in from work or whatever, and, and you know, your wife wants to talk to an adult, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, it's like, she's got all this stuff she'd like to talk about, and uh, so it's interesting trying to balance all of those things, but uh, but I think this is precious, you know, let my prayer be set before you as incense, 
the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. You know, because this thing with incense is it's like you've got these these spices, but you have to get them hot in order for the incense to to come up. And uh, and that doesn't just happen. You know, we have this very microwave drive-through kind of society. It's like um, you know we've become so spoiled. I was reading this article about how. Um, Generation Z is going to work this summer, joining the workforce. And like, and they were talking about how they were the first generation of truly digital natives, like people born in the late 90s and after. I got to thinking about that, and I was like, wow, that makes me feel old. <laughs> but, you know, it's like I saw this thing recently where it's like, you know, uh, when I was a kid, if you were going to meet somebody somewhere and they didn't show up, you had no way to get a hold of them. You had to assume that they died on the way there or or something i don't know um but you know i mean we've we've become so accustomed to the instant gratification of google it's like i can get online i can buy the thing now and uh i mean i like it don't get me wrong but it's uh uh it has reduced our patience to nothing our our sense of being able to sit and wait for something to happen to almost nothing um, you know, I don't fish. I don't have the patience for it. It just doesn't interest me. Um, I saw this this Calvin and Hobbes once where they're sitting there fishing, and Calvin's like, so we've been sitting here for an hour, and not a single thing has happened yet. And Hobbes just dumps him in the water. <laughs> it's like, well, now something happened. I was like, that, that's, that's a better fishing trip for me. I used to go fishing with Mike and DJ, and they were just having a blast, and they're fishing, and I'm just sitting there. We could be hanging out somewhere else. <laughs> but I went with them because I wanted to hang out. So, you know, some, sometimes you have to go where they're going. That's that's why you see guys going shopping with their wives. Some people like to shop. Some guys don't. I mean, I, I like to shop if I'm interested in what we're shopping for. But... Uh, as long as it's, you know, goes along at a good clip. How many know what the shop walk is? That that shuffle where you kind of just shuffle slowly along the aisles and something catches your eye or something catches her eye. And and I immediately turn into a seven-year-old inside. <sighs> but I grew up with that, too, because my mom loved to shop and I always went with her everywhere she went. Like, okay, more towels with apples on them. Great. Because you don't have any of those. You know, but anyway, my point being that we, we don't have any patience to wait. You know, and, uh, and uh, it can really be challenging if you're having trouble staying awake and you're trying to wait. You know, but the thing is, is you know, God said, you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. And so we have this um, we have this assurance from him. It's like you come and spend time with me. I'll be listening, and I'm going to be glad you're there. And uh, uh, you know, sometimes we feel like our prayer time was you know wasted or unproductive if we don't feel something or if we don't get some like earth-shattering revelation or something. Like, well, that was a gosh. I'm such a loser. God didn't talk to me. Oh, 
and uh, and he's glad you came by. You know, it's like um, I have these neighbors, and every once in a while they just kind of show up at my back door, and I'm like, hey, I'm so glad they showed up. You know, and uh, um, you know, I, I don't know who they are. They just kind of show up, but. Um, you know, but when you have relationship with somebody, you know, there's there's not this sense of, well, geez, I haven't seen you in a couple of days or, or or whatever. You know, it's like uh, over the winter, there would be whole days that would go by that Mike and I didn't talk to each other at all or, or text each other or see each other or anything. He was busy with his thing. I was busy with my thing. And it was really lame. It felt like working. It wasn't like, you know, it made work feel like work. And, and, uh, but, you know, when I did get, when we did talk, I didn't feel like, hey, man, what's going? Were we still cool? You know, it wasn't, it was never like that. And, um, you know, uh, relationships are like that, you know, and, and so, I'm not at all advocating just, uh, leaving your prayer closet to gather cobwebs, but, um, that sense of, Knowing that he <clears throat> he's glad you came by, and and that he's he's always ready to 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 talk to you. Uh, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth, and keep the door of my lips. Incline not my heart to any evil thing to practice wicked works with men that work iniquity. Let me not eat of their dainties. <clears throat> and that's a grand thing, because you know Jesus said that it's not the things that go into you that defile you; it's the things that go out. The things that come out, and so the things that come out of your mouth come out of your heart. So, so he starts at the, <coughs> excuse me, he starts at the heart place, or at, at the mouth place, and he says, "Set a watch for my mouth." You know, um, as we age, we get these filters, um, and uh, we learn to filter the things that we're thinking because the Bible says that uh, you know a fool utters all his mind, and. Uh, you know, I didn't grow up with a lot of people around, so I was like a teenager, early 20s, and I was still learning how to filter the things that I was thinking because I didn't really ever need to before. <laughs> and uh, so uh, those who put up with me during those years uh, deserve a medal. But um, but it's precious because he, he he's, you know, he's telling God, hey, you know, if I'm about to say something stupid, stop me from saying it. You know, set a watch. Uh, and then, you know, let's get to the source of the thing. Incline not my heart to any evil thing. Practicing wicked works with men that work iniquity and let me not eat of their dainties. <clears throat> you know, it's like this, it reminds me of Psalm 119. It's like this big, long thing. And he keeps talking about keeping God's commandments, but he keeps putting it back on, you know, you incline my heart to this and you work these things in me because I, I need you to keep me in it. <clears throat> So up to up to the, that's this point, everything is free. This is the part that I was actually getting to. So if you'd like to hear the rest, uh, please insert a quarter now. Um, what, what are we laughing about? No. Uh, okay. It says, let the righteous smite me, and it shall be a kindness. Let him reprove me, and it shall be an excellent oil which shall not break my head. For yet my prayers will also be in their calamities. So, this word "smite" is a is an interesting word. Um, it literally means to hammer or to to break something. 
Uh, in fact, this is the word that it uses in Judges 5 when Sisera is running from the armies of Israel and he hides in, in the lady's tent and she takes the tent spike and drives it through his head and kills him. It's the same word. She smote him with it. And so, you know, let the righteous smite me. It's not like a little slap on the wrist of, stop it. You know, it's like more of a... Uh, of a, a serious kind of correction. But he says, let the righteous smite me and it should be a kindness. And this word kindness um, is uh, translated all through the, uh, the Old Testament as mercy. In Psalm 136 where it says, his mercy endures forever, it's this word. And if I was Jeff, I could pronounce it for you. But um, when he first came here, I didn't know what his last name was, and there were several Jeffs, so I just called him Hebrew Jeff. So, so I know him all right now. We hang out. So, um, but he says that uh, for the righteous to to smite me would be a kindness. So to have someone correct me would be mercy. Just let him reprove me, and that's a great word too. Kind of a little, maybe lesser thing than the smiting. Because a reproof is like a verbal type of correction. It's like, did you seriously just say us to that? You know? And uh, um, nobody likes to be reproved. Uh, nobody likes to be smitten. Um, myself included. Um, uh, I had someone gently gently reproved me like a week ago and I was just, I got all huffy. I was like, well, fine. It's like, apparently I'm a big butthead, you know, and I got all worked up about it. And uh, and it was really funny because last week when Ron was talking about self-control, you know, he was talking about being corrected and reproved and talking about how if it's a problem for you, then, uh, then you must have some sort of pride in there that's like, you can't talk to me like that. And I just sat there. Okay. I can't argue my way out of that. And, um, so, um, but it's precious because it really is a kindness. You know, and, and he says that this reproof is like an excellent oil. Um, you know, and, you know, we... He's talk, there's a lot of different things that he talks about that oil is used for, you know, anointing for service, um, healing the sick, and uh, uh, they burned it for light, all kinds of things. Um, and it was interesting because we were uh, with my family yesterday, and uh, my uncle had had, um, uh, had his prostate removed, and uh, the, um, the wound came open. Uh, like earlier in the week, which he found quite disconcerting, and uh, they uh, they told him that well, that happens, and uh, there's not, you know, like at this point the best thing to do like it wouldn't really do much good to show it shut again. What we want is for it to heal from the inside out. So what we want to do is you're gonna you're gonna like pack it and keep it wet, and. Uh, and it's going to heal from the inside out. And he said it's already improving, you could tell. But, you know, it's like that's the kind of thing that a, that a reproof is like. Because sometimes somebody reproves you and you're like, ow! 
Like, that really hurts. There's nothing like the surprise of sudden pain. One time I was uh, I was going into this gas station, and it had these, uh, there was like these double doors, and they, they seemed like they both, they must have like swung both directions or something. Because this lady was coming out of one door right as I was coming in the other one, and she was wearing sandals, and I still don't know how it happened, but when I pushed the door open, it caught one of her toenails and just tore it off. And, I mean, she just stopped and she looked at me like sh- and, like, shouted this expletive, <laughs> as you would, and um, but just looked at me like, you know, and I was like, are you okay? I'm sorry. <laughs> totally didn't mean to do that. Uh, I, was, I was mystified as she was. Um, but, uh, so, you know, and I think sometimes that's, you know, God has put in us this reaction of, it's a kind of a protective thing. You get hurt, you get mad <laughs> and, uh, and, and you're ready to fight with somebody. Uh, and it's something that we learn to overcome because we recognize that once, uh, that correction hurts, reproof hurts. But it's it's a kindness and it's a mercy and it brings healing in our life like nothing else can. You know, I uh, I've explained to my kids a bunch of times. It's like you know I don't correct you because I don't love you or because I'm mad or you you just did something that inconvenienced me. It's because I love you and because I'm training you beyond this point because you don't want to be like that kid at school you were telling me about that that can't. He can't sit still. He gets in trouble all the time, and he has just he has no peace. You don't want to be that kid, and this is how you don't be that kid. It's my job to make sure that doesn't happen to you. <clears throat> but you know, you're the the thing is, is that it's it's that outside man that gets all worked up about getting reproved. You know, because you know the pride is a is a work of the flesh, and uh, is a, something that you see there, and uh, um, you know, and that's what I recognized last week. It was like, wow, well, that would be my flesh doing something unsavory, you know, and I mean, and cause, because, like I said, it was the most gentle of reproofs. It's like, did you really just say that? It's like that was really dumb, and uh, <clears throat> it's like, okay. You know, the, the the reasonable thing to do would just be, okay, yeah, that, my bad, and you're right, and instead of getting all huffy about it and, uh, you know, taking my marbles and going home, which was more the attitude that I, I took about it. Um, but, um, you know, of course, I came around the next day, like, you know, because then, you know, God said, hey, seriously, let's, let's talk about that, you know, and... Um, you know, there's nothing like having somebody that want, want to talk to you about something that you just kind of, you know. I was talking with somebody the other day. It's like I want to just get it over with right now. It's like don't don't tell me you want to talk to me later. <laughs> it's like hey, can we talk about you know this thing next week? <laughs> you know. Uh, I remember when we did the uh, the rotating song service thing there for a while. Uh, at the end of the song service runs, like so, I want to talk to all the musicians after church. And I just sat back there like. What I do <laughs> must be me. Dang it. 
So I, I kept trying to, you know, I was like, focus on what he's saying. Focus on, I know, what is he going to say? <laughs> Dang it. So, I, I'm, I'm definitely one of those just tear the band-aid off type people instead of the peeling it painstakingly. Like, just just tell me. I want to get mad probably, but just tell me. <laughs> and then I'll, okay. But, um, but it's an interesting thing because as your inside man grows, your inside man doesn't take exception to getting corrected so much. Or, or or being reproved, it's like, oh, well, I really appreciate that. Because the Bible says that if, if you uh, rebuke a wise man, he'll love you. And so your inside man, of course, has wisdom because it was born of, of the seed of Christ. And, of course, he's as wise as they come. And so, uh, so that wisdom is certainly there in your inside man. And, and, it, and, uh, and your spirit man recognizes, hey, this is good for me. This will get me down the road. I mean, I, over the years, I've had, you know, correction come from sources that I knew, I knew this is the voice of God, and, and I, I wish God would have had somebody else say it. You know what I mean? It's like, sometimes, uh, you know, God brings us into those, those places of humility where it's like, wow, I, I wish he, like, I, I was kind of thinking that maybe, you know, I should have like a, a meeting with Ron, and he should tell me, and the, the cloud should part, and there should be like this, you know, angelic messenger that comes and, and confirms to me that this is indeed the thing that we're saying. But it's going to be okay, you know. Instead, it's like somebody with skin on, and the voice of God and the Word of God, and and they tell you, hey, um, no, and uh, that can be an interesting thing. You know, because we all have different experiences in life that we that we grow up from. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I grew up with this very hands-off, kind of independent sort of childhood. I kind of did what I wanted. Uh, my parents, like, put very, very little input into me at all. I just kind of did, did my thing. They did their thing. We lived in the same house. And so when I became an adult, it's like, I do what I want to do, like, Who's the boss of me? Greg's the boss of me, and uh, and so it was. It was very interesting coming into this place of well, actually, God's the boss of you, and uh, and so when your 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 flesh says no, I'm the boss of me, and and that inside man, that little voice, like no, actually, God's the boss of you, and uh, you're not going to go to bed until you get this thing dealt with. You know, and so, so it's it's a really uh, a blessing to to come into this place of recognizing that um, you know that that God is on your team, and that when He uh, that if He brings you some sort of instruction, you know, uh, and, and I like that that sense of you know because we always use the word correction, and it's like ooh, correction, you know, it's like Ron started taking his belt off last week. He's like, oh boy. <laughs> Here we go. It's, like it's going to be one of those services, ain't it? Oh. Oh. I remember when he brought that sword, that big broadsword to church. It was like this tall. And I thought, oh, dear. Like I saw him getting it out of his car in the parking lot. I was like, uh, and the week before that had really been quite the hair-raising type of service, too. I thought, whew, we must not be done. So... uh 
But it's a, it's a precious thing, you know, because God doesn't ever use any more pressure on you than he absolutely must to, to get the results that he wants. And, uh, and so that's a blessing because, um, you know, and I think it's interesting here that he starts with smiting and then feel, it seems like to me like he dials it back to reproof because usually it kind of works the other way. It's more like he reproves you first and then if that doesn't work, then comes the smiting thing. But um, in any case, it's a mercy and a, and a blessing that he does those things. And, uh, you know, we're all familiar with, with Hebrews 12. I don't think we necessarily need to go over there. Well, maybe we, maybe we will. Um, let me see if there's anything else I wanted to touch on here. In verse 6, he says, When their judges are overthrown in stony places, they shall hear my words, for they're sweet. And, uh, you know, we, we come to these places where um, things aren't working out like we hoped. Our, our best laid plans uh, are not so much turning out. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, God knows how to get us to a place where we, we hear what he has to say and and it's sweet. You know, sometimes I think, you know, God knows how to get us into a place where he could say just about anything and I would be glad to hear it. I, I remember this one service where the presence of God just simply would not settle and God really wanted to deal with something serious. And uh, I couldn't figure out what, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what was going on. But I was just like, something is dreadfully wrong, you know. And um, and, and somebody else was ministering and, and, and Ron was here. Uh, and then um, you know, he got up to talk and then he just had the sense of, oh, here we go. Um, but I was so ready to find out what is going on. Because I was perfectly ready to believe that it was that he was going to get up here and be like, "You, Greg, it's all you, dreadful, wretched thing, and, and this this whole thing is revolving around you. Get out of my church, you know. I mean, I was ready. I didn't think that was the case, but I was ready. And uh, so, of course, he laid it all out, and it was like, you know, hair blowing back. But, um, you know, and there, and God did have some things for me in that service, a, a big long laundry list of things to get rid of. And I was so glad. I mean, I was just chomping at the bit to leave church that day. And I like went through my bookshelf. I went through my CDs. If you don't remember what those are, they that's what they had before digital music. And, I mean, I had all this stuff. And I was like, man, I am so ready to just get rid of all this stuff. I mean, some of it, you know, I could have sold and got and got a little money for and stuff. And, nah. It's like, I mean, I just took it all and just threw it in the dumpster. And, uh, um, and then it was funny. The next day I was driving down the road after work and I was just thanking the Lord for, you know, getting, getting things cleaned up. Because it's like when he gets things cleaned up in your life like that, you know he's getting ready to do something really great. And uh, I was just really appreciative of it. And uh, and I just felt like God added one more thing on, and I was I was positive. In fact, like oh, and by the way, get rid of this thing too. And I just seized up for just a moment, like no, I really like that. I don't want to get rid of that thing. Um, but um, before before I gave myself much of a chance to 
wrestle around about it. I was like, yes, Lord, okay. And so the moment I got home, before I had a chance to change my mind, into the dumpster it went. I was like, okay. <sighs> no, but, uh, um, you know, having something in your life that just just eats your lunch and having having God bring the thing that would fix it, it really does make those words sweet. You know, I mean, I've I've had Ron say some hair-raising things to me in front of everybody. <laughs> it's like, oh man, I'm such a loser. You know, but the great thing is, is nobody thinks that. Everybody's like, like, yes, this is so great. And uh, because we all put ourselves there, <laughs> I'll think, man, I know what that feels like. Huh. And and um, but you know the. Um, it was, I mean, it was definitely a, a, a bitter kind of medicine, like John eating the, the book, and then it, it made his belly bitter, but at the same time, it was like, wow, that's really sweet. You know, it's like that, that is definitely a, a kindness. You know, and I think it's interesting because he says that it's an excellent oil that won't break my head. You know, so it's like, he's not gonna, he's not out to break you and destroy you and, and all that stuff. He's 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 fixing. Uh so go over to Hebrews twelve with me just briefly. Going off the reserve here. I hadn't thought about this really. So it's interesting how often God does that. There's been lots of times when I've been up here talking away and something occurs to me that like while I'm talking, I'm like, "Wow, I didn't know that. That's great." <laughs> Had that happen a lot at Pioneer Ridge. I would go in there. I've got this. Like, okay, I'm gonna talk about this, and then talk about something completely, utterly different. So I appreciate God doing that. Okay, in five, and we'll just buzz down through here quickly. Because you guys all know this. Uh, You've forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint in your rebuke of him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. You know, that's what I was telling my kids. It's like, you know, I, like the reason I, that I have brought this correction to you is not because of anything other than because I love you. And so there were many a times when I knew God was dealing with me about this thing that was was such a vexation in my life, and it was like, man, I, I take it as proof that you love me, that you would not just let me go uh, on my own merry little way, but that you would stop me. So, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, then God deals with you as sons. For what son is he whom the Father chastens not? But if he without chastisement were of all or partakers, then you're bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we've had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much more be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For verily, they verily, after a few days, chastened us after their own pleasure, or as they saw good. But he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to them which are exercised thereby. Uh, and I think we all have had those experiences where we could all we're all nodding along like yes indeed it is most grievous 
but but when you when you receive what God has, has said, then even in the even in the uh, this chastening process that that goes on in life, you know, then then we still uh, recognize this peaceable fruit of righteousness in it. Um, you know, the uh, I mean, I can think of plenty of examples in my own life of how surrendering to the things that that God would say to me that I didn't want to hear, how it really changed things in my life, and and even though I. I, I had these, you know, regrets that I would bring to him, and all these things. There was this sense of of peace, you know, seeing that things were different in my life because I I let God do those things, <clears throat> you know. And it's it's funny to me that he, you know, that he he points this out to us because sometimes we need the obvious pointed out to us that no chastening seems joyous. <laughs> it's like nobody cheers on their way to go go get a spanking. On the on the rare occasions that my children get them, it's always like, "Is it gonna be bad? Like, how many is it gonna be?" It's like, "Hold on, just calm down. You'll find out." I I find sometimes they get so worked up, you kind of have to just get that part over with and then talk to them about it because they're too panicked to listen to anything else that you're going to say. There is something that uh, opens your ears, though, about uh, about uh, getting a good spanking. Uh, Wherefore. You know, lift up the hands which hang down, and the feeble knees make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but rather let it be healed. Um, I think it's funny that it has like a, you know, my Bible has a like a little subject heading, like a subject change heading there in the middle of that. To me, that's all together, because uh, there's nothing like getting corrected to make you feel like, well, poor me, you know, I messed this up. And, um, you know, and so God's like, hey, you know, you know, I don't know. I always tell my kids, it's like, you're going to step on your lip. If you don't tuck it back in. <laughs> you know, like you're going to collect, collect flies on that thing or something. Um, and so, uh, and it's easier said than done. And we all laugh because we're not in this place of like, oh, man, I can't believe this. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe God said that to me because I did that. Um but but God does indeed teach us those things, you know. Um, but it really does change things in your life, you know. Uh, and kind of a really prosaic example. Um, I always I thought of myself as a pretty careful driver, you know, pretty conservative. I, I have ridden with somebody who would shout, "Go now, go now!" when I would be trying to turn left out of somewhere, and I would usually just sit there blithely waiting until the traffic was actually clear. And, uh, but you know, <clears throat> I always kind of looked at those speed limit signs like they were more of a suggestion or a guideline rather than an actual, like, you know, because it literally says speed limit. And, uh, I mean, I've always driven like four over or whatever. And, uh, um, when you, when you're in, uh, in Ottawa, there's this, uh, it's 20 through the downtown area and across this bridge on the way out of town to come to church. And, um, 20 is so unnaturally slow. And, I mean, it's like I'm going faster than 20 by the time I accelerate through this turn, you know. I'm And uh, we're just tootling along and I get pulled over. Ah, guy was so nice, so friendly. And... Uh, um, 
know, uh, he uh, told me that he had clocked it going 33 in the 20. I was like, ouch. <laughs> I was like, I could, yeah. I still have the temporary tag on my car. And it's like, I wasn't trying to make excuses, but I was like, yeah, I'm still trying to get used to this car. Of course, I drove that fast in every car I drove. But um, but it was true. This, that I mean, that car is like a cloud. It's just, it's, it's, it's fun. But, um, you know, he gave me a ticket. And I'll be darned if I don't set my cruise on the actual speed limit now. And when I come back into town, I actually, like, I set it on 30 because it's just this, like, long kind of slow grade from the when you get to town until you get to my house. And, uh, um, but I told that policeman, I was like, you know, because the kids were like, what's going on? Why did we get pulled over? And I explained. And he was talking to them, telling me how. You know, it's like it's warming up out. There's lots of people walk around over here, you know, and you want to be careful. And, and I and I told him I appreciated it. And I was like, actually, I was just telling my kids, I was like, you're doing your job because you're trying to keep everybody safe because I was indeed driving too fast. And, uh, and of course, it was most bitter paying the ticket, you know, because nobody likes that. Um, and uh, but but it was a a small painful lesson. But it, it changed, it changed my habits, and uh, um, and you know it's there's something oddly satisfying about putting the cruise on the exact speed limit and just kind of tootling along. <laughs> I'll get there when I get there, you know. Maybe I'm just getting older. I don't know, but because uh, I was always one of those people like get out of the way. <laughs> it's like you're you're driving on my road. I always liked that thing that Ron talked about with like the little spatula that just kind of flings them off the road. That I thought, yes. You know, when when Cynthia and I were dating, it was uh, a good hour from my house to her house, and I habitually drove at least ten over the entire way. And uh, there there are no posted speed limits once you get off the highway onto the county roads going to her parents' house. Of course, according to the state law, that means it's 55. But I thought, well. There's no speed limit posted. <laughs> so I would take my life in my hands on those terrible roads, and I'd be going like 85, 90. Well, I'm still alive. That was like 20 years ago. So, um, but no, you know. So you know that, but that that's just it. It's like I, I paid my ticket, and now I drive more carefully, and I pay more attention, and. I really don't feel any worse for wear. I got here just as late as I always do today. So, <laughs> you know, and uh, I haven't noticed any, like, appreciable drain on my life because I was actually driving the speed limit. So I always thought my dad was like a little grandpa driving the speed limit, but it's all right. So, yeah. So, you know, God's a good God, though. He, he fixes things in our life. Uh, because he's on your team, and, and it's uh, and it's a blessing having God do those things, and I I sure appreciate that He does that. So Jesus, we thank you for all that you're doing and all that you've done, and um, indeed it is a kindness um, to to have us uh, be corrected by you, that it is indeed a mercy, and we appreciate it, God. We have all uh, come through places of um, the most grievous correction, God, and, and, and it is indeed in our lives yielded the peaceful fruit of righteousness. 
And, and God, we have reason to rejoice. We have reason to sing, Lord God, because um, when you, you correct these things in our life, God, we have Calvary that, and that, that precious flow, God, that, that brings um, forgiveness to those things, God. And you, you said that as far as the east is from the west, so far have you removed our transgressions from us. And God, we uh, rejoice in that this morning, Lord God, and we, we praise you for all that you've done and uh, for your great love to us. And God, today we just pray that you would do in this place exactly what you want to do, Lord, and that we would uh, be those participants in uh, praising you, God, getting out in the in the rain of your spirit as it falls in this place. Lord, we just pray that you would do exactly what you want in this place, and nothing, nothing less is satisfactory for us, God. We just pray it in your name. Amen. Amen.